everyone, and welcome back to The Ride Podcast. I'm Michaela, and Nicole is out for this introduction, but don't worry, she will be back later on in this episode as we interview our guest, Jane Pike. So it is just myself as I introduce Jane and go over some current events that are happening in the horse industry. Like I said, our guest is Jane Pike, who you are likely familiar with if you frequent horseandrider.com or read the print magazine, or maybe you know her through Warwick Schiller, which is actually how we met Jane. So Jane is a confident mindset coach. She works a lot with riders who need to overcome fear and anxiety in the saddle or just want to build a confident mindset before going into the show pen. So there's actually a few points in this episode where I explain that I'm having anxiety before competing and Jane walks me through why it's happening and what I can do to overcome it. So hopefully she can help you guys, whether it's within this episode or you reach out to her to be your mindset coach or you listen to her own podcast. Hopefully she's able to help you become a confident rider so you can be an effective rider in the saddle. Anyway, let's get into some current events. Uh, Horse and Rider has been super busy, so we'll start off with some current events just internally with Horse and Rider. This week, we are going to print with Horse and Rider magazine for the winter issue, which is actually why Nicole is unable to record this introduction with me. She is making sure it's absolutely perfect for you guys before we send it out to hit your mailbox. But I know that you guys will be super pumped when it hits your mailbox because the cover that Nicole shot herself is absolutely stunning. It is beautiful and just says all things late fall and winter. It, I, I am at a loss for words for how to describe it. You guys will just have to run to your mailbox as soon as you get it and look at it and then open it up and read everything that's inside of it because we work super hard as we do with every issue to make this exactly what you guys need and want with informative training articles, health, trail riding, you name it, we put it in there because we know that you want it and we love it. So anyway, um, horseandrider.com, we are doing super fun things because it's the holiday season coming up upon us as we head into November and December. And what better way to head into the holiday season than giveaways? So horseandrider.com, we're doing giveaways this month, and I'm sure coming months we will also be doing giveaways, but our current one is with Horseware Ireland, as we are giving away a grand prize of Ice Vibes, but weekly we are also giving away prizes, and our sister publications are doing the same thing, so whether you need to enter to win a barn or enter to win feed or enter to win our ice vibes you could win it all so if you're interested in our sister publication giveaways just go to horseandrider.com and click on our sister publication tab and you will find all of those giveaways on their websites as well because if you don't enter you can't win so you might as well try your shot and enter to win all of these wonderful giveaways that we are doing And also, Nicole and myself are starting new blogs in these coming months as well. My blog that I am starting is called the TLC blog, and it's just the little pampering things that you can do for your horse. It's a monthly blog, so each month I'm going to be talking about different things that you can do with your horse that, you know, aren't the necessary things, but just the little things that you can do to spend more time with him and Make sure that he feels loved and cared for and is happy and healthy. 
And, um, you know, to keep yourself healthy, Nicole is doing a fitness blog with Kelly Altswagger. And the topics that she has talked to me about are very informative. And I think that you guys will get a lot out of them. And if you aren't familiar with Kelly, we have talked about her a lot. So you should be very familiar with her by now. But she has videos that are being released on Horse and Rider On Demand. And we have also done a podcast episode with her. So go listen to the podcast. Go watch some Horse and Rider On Demand videos. And then be on a lookout for the upcoming blog that Nicole will be writing. So shifting gears away from Horse and Rider, although we love to, you know, brag on the brand a little bit, some really cool things happened recently at the Cow Horse Snapple Bit Futurity. So one of the first things that happened was a Yellowstone banner from the TV show Paramount Network's Yellowstone was hung up and it spooked a lot of horses in the Hackamore class. So for distracting the horses, Taylor Sheridan awarded a first place paycheck to several horses after they were distracted by the banner. Um, they were actually, the NRCHA was going to remove the banner and rerun the class, but um, Taylor Sheridan offered up that prize money. And how awesome is that, that they all received first place money? That is so exciting. I know that there's been some controversy over, well, horses shouldn't be spooking at those banners, but those are some pretty young horses. And I know that Taylor Sheridan is really there for the horse and he is a horse enthusiast. So he is doing this for the competitors and the horses. And I just think that it's really cool to see. It just makes me super pumped for the next season of Yellowstone because I love Yellowstone. Another really cool thing that happened at the NRCHA Snafflebit Futurity was Sarah Dawson was the first woman to win the Snafflebit Futurity Open Championship since 1993 when Sandy Collier won it. That that's amazing. We actually have an article with Sarah Dawson on women breaking the glass ceilings in the Western industry. So she has absolutely done it this time. She made sure to break those glass ceilings and just win it all. So uh, if you want to, you know, read more about Sarah and breaking glass ceilings, go to horseandrider.com and you can read about Sarah and what she has done as a woman in the Western industry and then go up and look up her championship run because it's pretty cool to watch. And as a woman, I know I'm pumped to see other women succeed in the arena. I mean, I'm, I'm there to cheer on the best horse and hope that the best horses win. But when a female trainer rides and wins one, that's just even cooler. <laughs> so anyway, I think I will be done talking since it's just myself, and we'll head into this interview that I hope that you guys enjoy. Hi guys, um, today we are here with Jane Pike, who um, you guys might have seen, we featured her in Horse and Rider in our Confident Rider department, um, but she's also somebody who works really closely with Work Schiller, and so he's talked about her a lot. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Now, um, Warwick has kind of broken down what you do, and I think we actually talked about it in the podcast that we did with him about how much you have helped him with your his mental strategy and how to approach riding. But you can probably explain a little better what it is that you do for equestrian riders of all disciplines, not just what Warwick does. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, my business is called Confident Rider, and essentially under that umbrella I work with mindset practices, mental skills practices, but also nervous system awareness and kind of movement-based practices that really allow people to develop the resources to stay in that zone of I've got this so that when you're riding or when you're out there working with your horse, you feel like you're centered and grounded and you're able to hold that space in the midst of any pressure or difficulty, essentially. That's awesome. And, and I feel like I should probably also mention Jane is so nice to have joined us. She's in New Zealand right now and it is early, early in the morning. So we're so glad that she was able to get up and meet us even with the crazy time changes and zones. But um, yeah, no, I think the thing that I really loved about what Warwick had told me about you, and I think we actually briefly met at the World Equestrian Games when you were helping Warwick and Robin there. Um, the mental aspect of it is such a huge deal. And I feel like you don't really think about it until you're in the middle of the show pen and you're having that, oh no moment and you can't, you know, like keep yourself together. So how did you come to kind of put two and two together and create a business out of it? Oh, it's a million dollar question. Well, I think that there's a, there's a growing evolution and awareness of riders now that are moving out of a transactional approach with their horses which is you know we do this and you know one plus one equals two to produce this particular result and moving into a, a situation where partnership and the transformative element of working together with horses is becoming so much more apparent and as part of that equation we are really starting to understand more and more that we need to look to ourselves before we look to our horses to ensure that we're actually the anchor point in the conversation and that we have the necessary not only skills but also regulation in terms of like we can emotionally self-manage we're able to to maintain a sense of ourselves and a sense of our own groundedness as we're asking our horses to to do the same thing essentially and so for me that's always been a fascination I um, competed growing up in Australia so I'm from Australia originally but I live in New Zealand which is just uh, to complicate things and uh, I was, I loved my horse, I loved training, but I was always quite a nervous competitor, um, certainly not someone who was addicted to adrenaline. And so the, that, from that point, I remember from very early on, I had all of the, the books beside my bed where I'd be reading all about the psychology and how to kind of get the best out of yourself in those situations and trying to pressure proof myself so that the experience wasn't so painful <laughs> you know because it really can kind of suck the joy out of it when you've worked so hard and everything's going on and then you get there and it's like all you can think about is how you just want to get home so that was kind of the the beginning piece for me and also some family um, members who dealt really severely with anxiety outside of horses and I just remember having these really pivotal moments very early on where I was like I can see that not being in charge of yourself in terms of where your mind's going and the thoughts you are having as the as the something I really would like to avoid happening if I can so that that put the fire in my belly and from there it's been such an evolution and a constant learning to kind of get to the the place that I am now um, in terms of my business I I 
I've had such an un, unusual career trajectory in lots of ways. I always really wanted to work with horses, but I did have a, a big gap in my 20s where I've, um, I'm a trained yoga therapist. I worked overseas as an emergency aid relief worker and did so many different bits and pieces and then eventually noticed that I was going to become a global nomad unless I settled down at some point. And so um, when I did eventually settle down, all these disparate skill sets seemed to come together and I just decided, I decided to start my own business. And I can't really pinpoint when or how that was, but it's, it's, it's led me to um, the place I am now. The, the, I've got a favourite quote from Steve Jobs, which says, you know, you, can only, you can't connect the dots by looking forwards, you can only connect them by looking back. And that's definitely been the situation for me where I'm like, oh, I can see where that's heading or how I use that. That makes sense now. I'm glad I did that. So that's, um, that's kind of my convoluted roundabout way of saying this is where I am now. <laughs> well, so I guess my question is, is how exactly do you work with your clients or the people that reach out to you? to get them in a different mindset? Is it, you know, podcast type things that you recommend or books or how exactly do you go about that? I'm super interested for myself as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. In terms of my actual work approach and, and yeah. how, I, how I work with clients. Yeah. So, um, so my big, I've moved away. So, okay, I'll, start, I'll take that from the top. Initially, I would have said that I specialize in confidence issues and anxiety issues and kind of helping writers in that sense. But now I, the language I use around it is really different because it's really about capacity. It's about how is it that we can expand our window to be able to encompass big experiences and big emotions when we're out there working together with our horses without going into a space where we feel like we've abandoned ourselves. And if we think about that in nervous system speak, that would be me going into like a flight response, which would be anxiety related, me feeling frustrated or angry, which is kind of a, a fight response or going into freeze or shutdown. So those, those states, we can understand those as taking us outside of our ability to make good decisions and feel resourced in the moment to, to be in a position to um, be the person our horse needs essentially. So I have a membership program called Joyride, which goes through a really comprehensive process for doing that, for increasing capacity. And it's all about gaining nervous system awareness. So really understanding not only what's going on in your mind, but also how you're responding to your environment and your horse systemically, because I think this is where the, um, the central piece lies, that if you don't have an understanding of what your body does and how it responds on a physiological level, it's really hard to, um, to resource yourself essentially because we're not just a mind, we're also a body. And those two, the body-mind connection and how that works in together is really integral in, in giving yourself really effective techniques to, to, to manage things. So for me, that's kind of the, the crux of my work is Joyride, that membership program that, get, that goes through that process. And then I work with people one-on-one -on -one as well. So. Is that what you meant or is there, would you want me to elaborate more on any of those pieces? No, I think that's great. I just didn't have an understanding at all as to how your business was set up and how people could, you know, become involved with it and what exactly it is that you do throughout the steps. So yeah, that definitely answered it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's just similar to, so Warwick's approach, for instance, he's got his membership platform with videos and audios and the likes for the horse training side of things. Mine's the same kind of setup, except it's, it's specifically rider focused. Well, and I think you, you kind of mentioned this in, in what you were talking about just now, but 
you focus on the rider, but essentially you're also a horse trainer because you are helping those horses so much. Cause I know from experience that when I was anxiety, you know, ridden and I just, I was stressed mm-hmm. and nervous and like, it just, my poor horse had to have been feeling all of that too. So I'm sure you, you've made a lot of horses happy too, with your help with their human, you know, counterparts. Oh, thank you. I certainly hope so. And it, and there's such a gift on so many levels because I, I say often to um, the amazing people that I work with, it's like how many of you would be engaging or involving yourself in this kind of self-development work if it wasn't for your horses? Because it, it affects so many different aspects of your life. Like if you're experiencing anxiety, riding chances are that that's coming up in other situations that might be work-related or relationship-related. And so the, the flow-on effect of how it um, spills out into different areas is always, um, it always amazes me. Yeah, that's what I was going to also say is how I think it's cool that, you know, not only are you helping the horse, like Nicole said, but, you know, personally myself, I think of areas where I just constantly am overthinking on something and I do that with my horse, but then I'll do it, you know, with my job and I I see that everywhere. So Mm -hmm. having a coach like you to help guide and work through those problems wouldn't just resolve a problem in one area of my life, but likely all of those areas and make my overall life and mind body connection better in the end it's that's certainly been my experience yeah and it's so like I say constantly blows me away I'm I had posts in the group recently where it's like oh I I, you know my understanding of the nervous system now I was talking to my brother-in-law who was having issues in his marriage and then we could we talked about that and it helped with this situation so thank you and I'm like oh welcome (laughs) it's just like you know it constantly just blows my mind yeah. Um, I could imagine that you're, you've been able to stay pretty busy even as uh, the whole world is affected by COVID-19. Um, like I said, you're in New Zealand, but it sounds like a lot of your clientele are from all over the world. And so it must have been nice to be able to continue communicating with them, even though essentially the world shut down. Oh, I know. I I feel so grateful on so many levels. I mean, prior to COVID, my, my entire business is online anyway and has been for a number of years now so there was no big leap into try and or sort of scrabble to try and um to repurpose or represent the material that I was doing in a different way the majority of people that I work with are overseas so I would say 20 percent of the um people I work with are in New Zealand but the majority are in um, the US and the UK and Australia Canada Europe but they're sort of scattered all over the place which is a real joy and when it comes to COVID I felt uniquely prepared in some ways I mean nobody can be prepared for something like this because it's such a quote unquote out of the blue experience that I don't think any of us really expected to be going through on an individual basis day to day but certainly these skills about how it is you can handle and hold uncertainty in the body and still remain resourced and functional and kind of you know feeling like you have something to draw on is just so pivotal right now and I think that in general, we've we've created this state of being where we feel like we have a lot of certainty in our lives, where there are things that we have relied on to be so, you know, like I know that that's going to be the same tomorrow and it's not the case anymore. And so we're constantly having to look back to ourselves and return to ourselves and and be able to hold that level of discomfort, which is so you know, what we try to avoid generally in day to day, like we don't like uncertainty, we don't like discomfort. And, and for me, the training has been over so many years leading to the point where I realized that comfort isn't the goal. You know, comfort is not the answer. 
it's actually the the ability to hold space for an emotion or hold space for an experience without it getting bigger than your body so that you're able to direct the energy in a way that is of most benefit to you and your horse and everyone around you and I think that's that's the practice now like comfort is not the goal the goal is how do we actually maintain the energy of this this experience stay present with what's going on and still feel like we're able to direct that in terms of our own what it is that's going on for us in a way that ultimately serves us I guess so has your business been at all you know, negatively impacted, you know, with less people, you know, going to shows and competitions? Has it been impacted by that? Or has it actually grown and done better because more people are wanting to, you know, better themselves as riders while they aren't going to shows? Yeah, it's been it's been so interesting. I mean, I, along with everyone else, you're always concerned about where things might go because you have to eat, basically. <laughs> but it's never, it's such a passion um, passion project for me as well but I would say I'm really fortunate in that it, I haven't found it to be negatively impacted there's definitely the competitive component um, with writers that I work with I mean that's just the same across the board it's such a unique situation that literally everyone is being impacted in the same way which I think is pretty unprecedented but um, for the most part what what I tried to offer in Joyride especially was to put in some extra bits and pieces that really allowed people to feel like they were perhaps more supported through this. So we have extra live sessions, we have more community-based Zoom gatherings to really let people just talk about what's going on because the community element and the, the social element, which many of us are being so deprived on is so, so key right now. So I tried to kind of factor that into, you know, how is it that we can actually buffer ourselves through this experience and support each other and everyone's been really um on board with that and it's been yeah it's been amazing i i'm so that you know the i feel selfish sometimes doing the work that i do because everyone is so incredible that i'm like oh you know it, it's sort of a big big crew i call them the team so yeah no i would say i'm one of the fortunate ones for sure i love that you um created a community through this like you know with the zoom meets and, and i think that's super important right now and that's really good for everybody's mental well-being is being able to communicate with other people who aren't the people that they're quarantining with or if they're home by themselves like I know Michaela and I used to go into the office together every day and mm -hmm. and now we basically sit on zoom every day just I talking know, right? it's, it's nice to talk to somebody that's not in our household um, but totally. then to also talk to people who have similar interests and and deal with similar things that's really cool yeah, it's, it's been incredible. I mean, we've got a Facebook group and community um, of Joyride members and they're, they've always been a really tight crew. Everyone's so supportive and knows what's going on. And for me, a really important aspect of my work is that I know people, they're like, they're my homies, you know, like it's not just like a, a, a relationship where it's like, yep, okay, do this, see you later. It's like, I know their horses' names. I know what's going on. We, I'm, you know, I'm part of the, part of the support crew or certainly try to be. And so when, COVID happened and when I saw some of the obvious distress that was happening I was like okay I think that what we need is a space where people can actually talk about what's going on in a really honest way without feeling like they're burdening a member of their family or you know they don't have occasionally or more than occasionally actually like it's 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 hard to talk openly and honestly about how you feel because if someone on the other side of that conversation doesn't have the skills to be able to hold that, it can be more damaging than helpful. And so 
we started a, um, I just quickly called it the sharing circle. I like, I put it up really fast and it's, it's been honestly one of the most incredible experiences because you've got a whole range of people in there of all different age groups from all over the world of different political affiliations and, and understandings and to be able to share what it is you truly feel and have that be received by that same melting pot without there being any hostility or, well, actually, I don't think that's the case and rah, rah, rah has been incredible because that, that ability to have that kind of discourse, I think, is a bit of a lost art right now. And you can see that online where there's so many polarities and divisions being created. And so I feel um, incredibly privileged and honoured to be able to hold space with a group of people and writers that are, have the capacity to, to do that. So kind of going back a little bit to what I was talking about at the beginning is, is we actually found out about what you do through Warwick. Um, how did you originally get involved with him? I know you guys are both Australian, um, mm -hmm. but he, I mean, he has so many kind words to say about you and he, I think you've, you've helped him so much. And um, so we were just so excited to talk to you because he's just said so many great things about you. Oh, Warwick and Robin are amazing. Well, it's actually a funny story. It's a really funny story. So there, there was, it's, it's just recently wrapped up, but there was an equine expo in New Zealand called Equidays. And way back in the beginning, I think it was 2012 or 2013, it was either the first or the second time that they'd held the event in Hamilton, which is on the North Island of New Zealand. I was there and Warwick and Robin were there. And I was one of the early members of his program because at that stage I was having some issues with my horse um, and I was searching online for different solutions or ways to kind of come about it in a way that I felt happy with and I stumbled across Warwick and I did what <laughs> what we kind of joke is the um, you know the diploma of horsemanship when you like sign up for something and all of a sudden you just binge watch the whole thing and you feel like you're doing some kind of degree qualification in horse training so that was me. And, and I remember them, we, we joke and laugh about this all the time, but they were walking out of the main area where you set up the booths. And I saw them and I had, um, I'm a bit of a hard on my sleeve girl. So I was like, oh, Warwick, oh, you don't know me, but I'm Jane. And, blah, 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 blah. and I was, I had a little bit of a fangirl moment and, um, and just talked about it. And they were, they were smiling and Robin looked sort of like slightly bewildered by my enthusiasm at, at that moment. And then poor, poor them, not only they probably thought they got rid of me at that point, but then I was on also the, um, the round that they did sort of showing all the presenters around. And so I wasn't just the, I wasn't just the, the fangirl, I was also a presenter. And so now they were stuck with me around the official round as well. And we got talking um, and I got talking to Robin and we, we were chatting about what I, what I was doing. And then we just, we just kept talking after that. We stayed in touch. We became friends over the event. And then um, Robin shared some things with me that were going on with her. And, and so we started, I initially started working with Robin and then we worked over a period of time and then um, it evolved into the World Equestrian Games. And yeah, it's just, I mean, that was a period of, I guess, sort of, what are we, five years that I'd known them previously and, um, and been not working the whole time together, but, you know, on and off and in touch. And yeah, so that was, the, <laughs> I laugh and slightly cringe at like, I was like, oh, I should have had more decorum back then. What was I thinking? My goodness. Loss of dignity in, in, in an instant. <laughs> that's too funny though, that that's how you 
you know, came across them. I was expecting, you know, that Warwick or Robin reached out to you. And so that's really funny. Can you talk more about how that you helped them at the World Equestrian Games, though? Yeah, yeah, sure. So initially, I mean, I think I'm not sure if Warwick talked about this on your podcast or maybe I was listening to his podcast recently and and um, and he mentioned the, the lead up to the World Equestrian Games. But I knew that it was a possibility that they were going to try and make the team and they talked about it with me and um and it was all you know it was all systems go it was a pretty exciting possibility and I was um there with my virtual pom-poms the moment that they they kind of like suggested that that was going to be an option and then both of them said you know we'd really like you to to help us out if that if that's the case and then um further on from that what happened was um I mean Warwick and Robin do essentially everything with their own horses they are a kind of one-man band in that sense where they they don't have the grooms or the you know there's no hierarchical kind of system or a group of people around them that's taking care of business like is really common in some of the bigger you know the bigger showing or bigger competition stables and so they had passes as well where Robin was like you know I'd really like you to be my groom quote unquote and come and help us out and you can you can take that take that pass and um and be on board with it and so that's that's how it evolved and happened I just started working with them on zoom and we um, started to unpack some of the things that potentially were going to get in the way or could get in the way or were the more obvious things that they were thinking about were the the roadblocks if you like and so we sort of picked away at that over time and um, and then I flew over and was part of the trio of me, Katie Negranti and Rachel Longworth. We drove their horses from um, California to North Carolina and I traversed the, traversed the states and that was awesome. It was my first time to the US and I hit the road and, and um, went through a variety of different places. And yeah, so that was kind of the story of how we, um, how we got together or the very short version anyway for, for WEG. Well, you really hit the jackpot with um, traveling to the United States during the hurricane that we were in and try on. It was exciting. Wasn't it exciting? I was like, <laughs> wow. And even the whole try on experience with the, um, shall we say, the the uh, pitfalls of, of, uh, of what was going on there at the time. When we got there, it was kind of a little bit of a construction zone and not quite what I expected. I was like, wow. But it was it was it was so fun. It was oh. Yeah, we, no, the the media room was missing walls when I got there and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We were briefed. So with the first vetting, it's like the, they're like, okay, so, you know, no no comments on this. It's all, it all has to be kosher. And we're like, okay, <laughs> we'll just roll with it. <laughs> it was definitely an experience I won't forget. But, but no. yeah, I'm like, wow, what are, the, what are the odds? You travel here for the first time and you get stuck in the... the the hurricane and we're all wondering what we're going to do if it hits us. I know it was comical on so many levels. I mean, at one point we had, there was a bit of a mix up with hotel rooms and like accommodation was a bit of a, a mashup as well. And at one point I remember, cause I was sharing a room with Katie, she had gone to bed and I was in the shower and then two people from the Italian team came into our room. They'd been given the key and we'd both been given the same room except we were already in the room. And then and then at one point we got back and they checked us out already and taken all our bags and we're like, what do you mean we've been checked out? It was like this hullabaloo of like constant changing hotel rooms and spaces and wondering where we were going to sleep. But it was, it got so, it was kind of so out there that it became laughable in the end. And we were like, we'll just, 
embrace the moment. <laughs> I, I definitely have a couple of stories from Weg as well from the media. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it yeah, was yeah. a really, it was a very cool experience. I know that Warwick has done the World Equestrian Games in the past, but it was my first time covering the Equestrian Games. And it was super cool to see all these countries come together and even like some people flying their horses over, which I know is more common in the English world um, versus mm -hmm. the Western world where a lot of these guys are from other countries, but they are based in the United States now. But it was just, it was so cool to see people come together and support their teams and their families. And um, I got to meet some really cool people from all over the world. So yeah, it, it was a super fun experience, but man, it, it's one I will always remember. <laughs> me too, me too. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. It's definitely one of my life highlights. And uh, yeah, it just makes for good stories, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you when my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, it's funny now that we've survived and we're back home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't end up sleeping in the mash tent that they had. I was like, I remember my dad watching a TV program that looked like that tent. <laughs> yes, it was insane. Um, so kind of going off of the World Equestrian Games and, and you helping work, um, what is something that you run into a lot as an expert with working with people who um, specifically show horses? Like, is there something that you you come across a lot that a lot of people deal with and, and maybe we're just not realizing that we're all dealing with the same thing? There are so many things. I think our shared humanity is something that's often forgotten when we're in the midst of these difficulties. but. Definitely anticipation anxiety, um, you know, you're in the warm-up pen or the warm-up ring and you you suddenly get the butterflies or the heebie-jeebies about what it is that's going to come next and it feels like um, all of the skills that you've practiced become unavailable and you can't locate your right leg and your left hand, that kind of thing. That's definitely a, a common predicament. Um, comparison is a huge one as well, the feeling of not being good enough, which really feeds through to so many different things you know I, ca I call it I'm not sure if I can say <clears throat> this word but I call it the itty bitty um, something else committee which is like the little voices inside your head which tell you what you can and can't do that we might know as the inner critic um, and so those two things I, I'd say would be the most common um, trials of competition the feeling of not feeling good enough and and, and anxiety about performance anxiety or anticipation anxiety about not kind of following through on what you hope to to achieve or experience out there yeah well I know as a competitor myself that those two kind of ring a bell so it's it's nice to know that other competitors out there are actually dealing with those same sort of problems and like you said that community earlier that we were talking about is a great place to probably talk about those problems amongst other people who have them and you know how do you deal with this and you know well mm. Jane has taught me to do it this way so I think that that's really awesome. Absolutely yeah and just also developing like I think across the board we have some social or cultural models which we all um, we're all a part of and feed into as well for better or worse and so you know our idea of success and winning and how that's showing up for us and how we're fed information you know as a whole about what what it takes to be a winner and and how that plays into our writing life is really important to acknowledge as well. You sort of, you can deal with things on an individual level, but there's also these overriding ideas or concepts about what success looks like and how that actually manifests in our life that we're also playing to as well. So there's a, a number of levels that you can kind of address things on and, and realize like, huh, it doesn't actually 
have to be like that or I don't have to participate in that system. You know, I can actually choose to, to make it different, which I think is um, a really cool part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and it, all of this talking about this, like, definitely brings me back to when I was showing as a kid, because I showed a lot, and we were pretty competitive, and and I was always a mental mess, and my, my trainer at the time gave me a book about, you know, the psychology behind it all, and, and mm -hmm. it helped and everything, but, you know, through the years, I've definitely been able to control my emotions more, and I'm more confident when I'm doing stuff, but it's so important, and I think it like having these mental blocks and, and uh, fears, if you will, keep us from being able to progress as riders. And so I think it's so important that you, not only that we have someone like you who who's able to work with people, but like we're finally admitting it out loud. Like I need help, you know, psycho like, you know, mentally to get prepared for if you're just riding a horse or if you're competing at like the World Equestrian Games. Yeah, I mean, there's really no, it's not a weakness, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. I think that's part of what I want to demystify if you feel that you get the wobbles or you're, you are feeling nervous or you are feeling anxious. I mean, that's a very normal part of the human experience. It's just that how we approach that and the resources that we develop for ourselves really is what dictates how we move forward and the experience that we get off the back of it. So for me, it's about whenever we're experiencing stress to the level where it's not productive, you know, where it's not useful for us to be in that space, it's always because our stresses are outweighing our resources. It's a really simple equation. And so what we need to develop is this um, understanding of what our capacity currently looks like and to increase that threshold so that we're able to handle a bigger level of discomfort, you know, more activation in the body. I talk about activation and energy a lot um, before we feel like our mind leaves the building. And that's the kind of process that I'm really passionate about because the, the, the important understanding, and I think that we, we've talked about this a little bit in our conversation already, but for the most part, people think of what it is they're trying to avoid. So I don't want to feel anxious. I don't want to feel afraid. I don't want to feel X, Y, and Z. And so I would, I'll, they will join something like my program or work together with me in an effort to remove themselves from that experience. But our ability to, to, increase our capacity also relates directly to how much good stuff we can handle as well. You know, how much success we can handle, how much of the good things flowing our way can we handle? It's a, it's a reciprocal equation. And so for me, it's, it's about learning to really be able to hold the good and rest in the good and rest in ease as much as it is about learning how to cope for want of a better word with some of the things that we might find more challenging. Because basic things like accepting a compliment can be incredibly difficult for some people. I mean, if you think about if I was to say, Nicole, you're amazing, you know, this podcast is incredible, you work so hard. It's like, you know, there might be a part of you that goes, oh, well, well, you know, da, da, da. you sort of like fob it off. And that's part of the part of the um, practice as well. I have noticed that with how like I will say stuff where someone will give me a compliment. I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, I really like your shirt. And I'm like, oh, thanks. I got it on sale. It's like, why yeah, do yeah. we, why do we say stuff like that? Like, why can't we just say thank you and just move on with it? Like, why do we have to, to demote it to something not as powerful, I guess? Yeah. Well, it, if, if you think of it, if you think of your body, like a cup, this is probably the, the easiest way to, to explain it. And the amount of energy or activation you can hold is directly proportionate to the size of your cup. So some of us have a smaller cup, some of us have bigger cups, and that 
is also a metaphor for our threshold. You know, when we're actually, when, when the energy is flowing outside of our cup and kind of overspills, that's where it's got bigger than us and we're not in control of where it goes. So activational energy comes from a variety of different sources. It comes from, you know, if you think about the experience of anxiety, there's a huge amount of energy in that experience. And it, it goes, it, it exists on a continuum. So if I think about feeling a little bit of worry or concern, that's like a lower grade experience of anxiety that will move all the way through to feeling kind of full-blown panic and like I'm completely not in charge of myself. And the same thing exists for positive experience or good feeling. You know, like if you, a compliment, like a basic compliment might exist on the lower end of the scale, but then a really big competitive success might exist on the other side of the scale. And all of those represent um, experiences that either exist within our comfort zone or outside of them. And if they exist outside of them, then we, we, we engage in behaviours or actions which cycle us back down to what it is that we already know. Is this making sense so far? So this is where we have like self-sabotaging behaviours, for instance, where you're like, oh, I, I, I feel like I've got it going on, this is going really well, and all of a sudden I do this thing which puts that to an end, you know, which stops that. And the reason that that happens is because you reach threshold for how much you can comfortably handle, even if it's what you actually believe to be something that you want, you know? So this is kind of like the paradox of the situation. So I forgot the original question. I was going on a tangent and then um, I forgot. Can you remind me of the original question? Oh no, we were just talking about like not even being able to accept compliments and like if somebody, just even a small one about like, oh, I really like the shirt you're wearing and you like kind of demote it to just be like, oh, mm -hmm. thanks, I found it on sale or whatever, you know, like you can't just say like, oh, thanks, like me too, or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah, it's, sure. it's like, you yeah, have yeah. to like, I don't yeah. know, there's, right. so there's a mental a, thing. There's a receiving of energy there, right? You have to be open to receiving something and that openness requires a level of vulnerability and that feels uncomfortable. You know, if you think about what it means to, if I give you a compliment, you have to accept and absorb that compliment and you're not essentially in control at that moment in terms of what we might typically understand as feelings of being in control. And so you contract back around it. You try to like, you clamp down so that you're not exposed to, to that level of openness. And I think that most of us are moving through life with, in a degree of, of, with a degree rather of contraction of kind of tightness or holding on to, to our experience because that gives us the feeling like we're in control of what it is that's happening and also that we're more in charge of what it is that potentially might happen so if you and this is certainly the case of overthinking or constant anxiety or constant worry we delude ourselves or we trick ourselves into thinking that that somehow puts us in a position of potentially pre-empting more bad things happening you know if I worry about things then perhaps I'm going to get an earlier sign of something going wrong and I'll be able to preempt it. And so we don't let ourselves relax. We don't let ourselves rest, all of those kind of good things that we need more of because it feels unsafe to do so. And so part of that experience of increasing your capacity is, yes, it's important to be able to move forward and to have momentum and, and to keep going in that way and to kind of act with energy. But I also equally need to rest and relax and be easeful about how it is I'm approaching things. And, and even though we were talking about something as simple as a compliment, all the things that you just said definitely like transfer over to the way that you ride a horse and, you know, not being vulnerable and, and wanting to know exactly what's going to happen. So mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. can totally see how all of that, like, even though like in my brain, I want to separate like something that I would do on the ground that just talking to a person is so different from riding a horse, but it truly isn't. It's all the same. 
yeah, it really is all the same. And it's being able to maintain a sense of yourself in the midst of the midst of an experience. And so many of us lose that, you know, in conversation, you, you find yourself saying yes, when you mean no, you find yourself you're thinking what you're going to say without actually listening to what the other person's saying to you. So you're already ahead of what it is that's happening in your mind and cycling back and being able to recognize when you're already falling into the future, essentially, like when your body's falling into the future, but you're not already there yet. Being able to get a sense of your own backbone and your own center is so important so that you're actually truly present to the moment and then able to I've said this a number of times and I can't think of another way of saying it, direct the energy intentionally or, you know, make decisions that are actually coming from a settled place rather than a place where you feel like you're on that spinning hamster wheel. I am so glad that we had the chance to talk with you right now because this morning I have actually been listening to a ton of like rider mindset podcasts because all week for some reason I've just had anxiety over a barrel race that I'm going to be going to. And that's so unlike me to have any sort of any form of anxiety because I'm like, you know, I, I go to have fun and that's, mm -hmm. you know, what keeps me happy and going mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm really glad that, you know, we're listening and I'm able to hear all of these things that I'm like, I needed to hear this today because yeah. I have just been anxious about riding, which is something that I just love to do. Well, we, shall I speak to that a little bit? Because I think it's something that's really commonly happening right now. Um, yeah. And and as well, like if we think about the atmosphere of the world, which you can't separate yourself from as much as we might like to on certain in certain situations, it's very charged right now. There's a lot of stuff coming in. There's a lot of things which are competing for your attention. There's a lot of information which is fear-based, you know, and that is activating. It's incredibly activating. So if you think about having a capacity, but also having a limit for how much stuff you can handle before you actually move into a survival response, which essentially is what anxiety is, we have to make sure that we're not flooding our system away from our horses with like Facebook or news or negative conversation, because all of that is requiring something of us. And so at the moment, there is an experience of people perhaps having more anxiety than normal or feeling more kind of out of whack than normal simply because the environment that we're all a part of right now is conducive to those feelings or to those experiences. So um, the, the model that I work to is one that's called the window of tolerance. And basically that's a way of describing your nervous system. It's a way of us understanding what it looks like when we're sitting in the zone where we feel like we've kind of got it going on, where we can do this, where things feel possible. And when we move to the edge of that zone, it's a situation that I call flipping your lid, which is basically as you get to the edge of your window of tolerance, you start to move into sympathetic activation or you move into the channel in your nervous system, which is more based on survival. And that's what we would understand as the fight, flight, freeze response, right? So anxiety is when you're in that space rather where you feel like you've got it going on you're also plugged into the prefrontal cortex which is if you put your hand on your forehead that's where your prefrontal cortex lives and that's the logical analytical part of your brain that allows you to plug into things that you know that will help you that allow you to think things through that allows you to kind of maintain your cool and access your higher wisdom in the moment so when you're in your zone of tolerance that's what's online 
Now, when we move ed to the edge of our window of tolerance, that's where we flip into the um, place where our prefrontal cortex kind of goes offline, if you like, if we think of it in simplistic terms. And you're operating from the smoke alarm part of your brain, which is the amygdala, which is the one that's primed to look out for threat, right? So this is where you start to look out for everything that might go wrong, where you start to think about all the things that might make you anxious. And it's simply because you've got to the stage where your nervous system has started to move into a survival response and you're not tuned in to the higher wisdom part of your brain that would allow you to access resources. So for me, the approach used to be that I would work from the top down, which is, okay, how are we going to change those thoughts? How is it that we're going to redirect your focus? But now I understand what we actually need to do is come back into a place where we're tuned back into that prefrontal cortex. And that means we have to actually calm the nervous system. We have to stabilize the nervous system and get you back into a responsive place. And as a consequence of that, the thoughts naturally change themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I mean, it all definitely makes sense because when you said, you know, getting into the worrisome, you know, aspect of it, my horse took a funny step this morning and I was like, oh no, mm -hmm. so, something's mm -hmm. wrong. We're not even going to be able to go to the barrel race this mm -hmm. weekend. Mm -hmm. But in reality, she, she's 100% okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was yeah. just me making something up in my brain that I was fearful and worried because I've just been, you know, anxious. So yeah. all of that yeah. piece together makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Movement-based activity, like movement-based activity is so important as well, because when we have an experience of, um, feeling anxious or having like a little bit of a, you know, like when something worries you or you read something that creates a bit of activation in the body, there's a release of adrenaline and cortisol that happens and that needs to be processed physically. And for those of us that are sitting a lot or, you know, more sedentary than normal, we're not actually uh, riding out or processing the normal amount of activation through cortisol and adrenaline that's being released in the body. And so we're getting a buildup of that in the system. So movement is so important, being able to mobilize, being able to walk around and, and kind of, um, you know, utilize your body so that you're not getting to a stage where there's a buildup of, um, of things in the system that then come out at times which aren't useful to us, like when we're working with our horses. <laughs> Well, and, and like kind of going off of what Michaela was saying, I've definitely caught myself like when I'm riding and, and I just like go on to this weird path of like these, these situations that could or scenarios that aren't even happening. And I'm stressing mm -hmm. out about like, oh my gosh, well, what happens? What am I going to do if this happens here and I can't do this and I can't go here? When in reality, there's no signs of that scenario even happening. And it's just like, something in my head is just like, I, I just have to have something to worry about. Yeah, well, with everything that's happening right now, I mean, we can't exclude COVID from our experience, no matter where in the world we're living. I've noticed that people are flooding themselves. So if we think about horse training and flooding, which is like, you know, really introducing a stimulus over and over and over again until the horse basically tunes it out. We're doing that on a regular basis, on a daily basis to ourselves, if we're addicted to the news, if we're constantly trying to find out what's going on, if we're on social media and it's kind of giving us all of this information which is overwhelming or we're looking at all the bad news stories that are going around, we, we need to sensitise ourselves to when it is we're starting to get outside the zone of feeling like we're okay. And most of us have only an awareness of two main polarities, which is I'm totally okay. And then all of a sudden I'm totally not okay. 
And actually there is a whole trajectory or a whole series of levels that exist between those two points if only we take the time to sensitize ourselves to them and we have the resources and skills to do so. So for instance, coming into social media or, or opening up a, a news website with the idea of, oh, I have to be informed, I need to be a good person and find out what's going on, can lead to a situation where you actually tune out of those little indications that your body's had enough, which can be kind of like feeling distracted or needing to look away or feeling like that was kind of a lot. And we're overwhelming ourselves to the point where we don't even notice that we're close to the edge of what it is we're able to handle. And then we do something which seems totally unrelated, like working with our horses and we're like, all of a sudden it just feels too much. Like we don't have that threshold anymore. So I'm seeing that happen a lot at the moment where people are basically overstimulated to uh, they're flooded with news and information or you know energies which feel too much and aren't actually taking the time to look after themselves in the day-to-day -day. and that's having some um yeah some kickback when they get out there and what are you you doing to kind of help these people just like step away from that negative space and focus on on more positive stuff maybe yeah so it's it's such an interesting conversation because it's not about the conversation that I'm having is not about ignoring what's going on. So I, we don't want to pretend or like this false reason of what it is that's, that's happening. But if we think about the nature of self-care, I think that self-care has been put forward as, you know, when I think about self-care or when I used to think about self-care, it would be like, oh, you book a massage or you like, you know, you take the day off or there's something that's removed from your day-to-day -day life that you do as kind of an indulgence and I've really changed up that definition for myself and I try to impart that with um, people I work with as well in that self-care is about tuning in to your own internal world and recognizing when you need to participate in something and when you need to remove yourself from something so the evolution of the work that I do hopefully is actually about teaching people to honour what is going on inside them and to actually vocalise or be able to mobilise or action what it is they need as opposed to teaching them to put up with something or to endure something more. So if we think about um, really basic things like, do I go to the toilet when I need to go to the toilet? I mean, so many of us will be like, oh, I've needed to go to the toilet for two hours. That's like, that's an internal trigger in your system that you're ignoring, you know, that you're overriding. Do you eat when you're hungry? Do you drink when you're thirsty? These are like the really macro levels of self-care that many of us actually aren't paying attention to. And you can see how we've become desensitized from our own internal world and our own sensations and feelings because we're, we've been trained out of it. You know, the school system as well, like you sit at school, you can't go to the toilet till the end of class, you eat at lunchtime, which is at 12.30. You know, we've been systemized into ignoring our own, um, our own notification system. And so what I'm really interested in is how do we get tuned back into our own notification system? So if I start to feel a little bit anxious and concerned, I recognize that I have resources that allow me to come back to myself and deal in the best way possible without before I get to the, to the space where it feels like it's too much or too hard. And this conversation relates to everything, I think, like how do I read the news and then recognize, actually, you know what, I think for me at the moment, this is too much for me today, I need to go and do something else so that we're sustainable, we're a sustainable presence. That's one of my favorite 
kind of terms I guess where it's like we need to be a sustainable presence for our horse which means we're not like burning brightly and then fizzling out and it's the same in life right now like if we have to be a sustainable presence through this experience and in our life in general how do we create a life and a support system around us that allows that to happen so we can be there for what's important for us stand up for what it is that we believe in without feeling like we need to burn out on the other side of it um, you bring up so many good points and, and you talk a lot about these kinds of things in your own podcast too. You have a podcast called the confident rider and I just recently started listening to it and I just absolutely love all the different things that you break down. I mean, you, you work with, um, you know, so many different aspects of it. It could be, you know, I'm afraid of cantering, which I think was your more recent one, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but you just, you go through so many different aspects of riding and, you know, right. Being with your horse and just as a person in general. And, and I think it's so great that you, um, you're doing this podcast. Cause I think it's a really great way to reach a lot of people and, and just help, you know, just help people in the horse industry get better. Thank you. I love podcasting. I mean, we're on a podcast now, obviously, but it's been, it's such a amazing way of creating a conversation and intimacy with someone, you know, cause you're in, you're in there earballs and you can you I feel like I know the people that I'm I'm working with and hopefully it just gives it, it creates a platform and an opportunity to share things from a much more broad perspective in that like let's sit down and have a coffee together and talk about what's going on here that's the that's the vibe hopefully that I'm going for so I love it yeah no and I think that's probably why I love it too is because that's what we people always when we're interviewing people they're like okay can you send us a list of questions and I'm like no I don't I don't want it to be just like a Q&A I want to sit down and talk to you and and just like let the conversation kind of lead us where it goes I don't want it to just be like a strict like where are you from how did you get involved with horses why yeah. did you want to be a horse trainer like I just exactly. I want to get to know these people and like like you like you you might not be a horse trainer per se but you're doing so much for the horse industry and I just I want to get to know those stories oh thank you I completely agree I'm such a riffer you know it's like let's roll with it and whenever I've been on the other side of the microphone like interviewing someone I inevitably go off track anyway like I the poor things they probably are like yeah if I've had people that have that have wanted like the set questions as well and I'm like okay but I just want to let you know I'm with someone that kind of goes off on their own tangent at times so <laughs> You might as well know what you're signing up for. <laughs> well, I think that that makes it so much more fun and lively. I mean, as a listener to podcasts, I don't want to listen to something that's a Q&A. I want to go off on the tangents and feel like I'm sitting around a coffee table with everybody and getting totally. to know everybody and yeah. just chatting and just feel like yeah. I'm able to see everybody and talk to everybody and learn about, you know, everybody's stories, whether it's a horse trainer or, you know, a personal trainer in essence like you are and you know different things like that I, I love podcasting I think it's so much fun and you know being able to talk to people like you and learn more myself and being able to ask the cool questions that you know I'm having you know thoughts about yeah. and you answering them I completely them is agree fun. I completely agree it's been such an evolution on both sides of it actually like I'm so much more nervous being interviewed than I am being the interviewer and I'll probably listen to this back and I'll be like oh, I waffled on with that one or that was not a succinct way of saying that so it's definitely an art form on both sides of the on both sides of the microphone yeah 
But no, going back to like what Michaela was saying is like we love podcasting and I always joke that like it's for selfish reasons because I want to ask all these questions for like my own sake of learning. <laughs> me too, me too. The amount of times I've been like, so um, I've got a young horse I'm working with and what would you do in this situation? <laughs> exactly. Just for the, for the listeners, of course, for the listeners. <laughs> exactly. I listen back to the first ones where you're just getting into the groove of how the whole thing works. And I was doing a lot of video before I podcasted and then podcasting is it's, it's whole new thing where there's no feedback. If you, especially if you're by yourself, you're not, you're just talking into space. And that was a, an odd thing for me to get my head around to start with. So I do cringe at the earlier episodes where I feel slightly more like wooden and I'm like, Oh, really? There's no animation in my voice or what am I doing in that episode? So yeah, it's, um, it's a work in progress all the time. Yeah, I, I relate to that 100%. But I, I was also going to say that I feel like talking to you, though, it's not as specific as talking to a trainer and saying I have a this specific problem with my horse, because clearly we all as riders are having the same kind of problems. I mean, Nicole and I just discovered that we had similar problems. And you said that, you know, there are common problems that people have. So talking to you is a little different in that sense that you know, we actually are helping the people overall. <laughs> we are. It is for the people. We do this for the people. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it's really reassuring though to hear someone like you say that because then I'm like, oh, okay, it's not just me. Oh my goodness. I can tell you some stories. Like I remember the first episode I was like, actually, I don't think I'm going to do this. I can't, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. And I remember I felt the same way about video where I got like the hot sweats and I was like, what is happening as soon as I press record, I turn into someone that's more like a, you know, inanimate object than a human being. And, and so that takes some, some time to get, to get practiced at. But I remember I sat on the floor, I sat like in different places. I'm like, can I be more natural over here? What about if I hide under this chair and talk, is that better? And then eventually it's got to the stage now, 60 something episodes later where I can just press record. And for the most part, it's not as physically painful as it used to be. <laughs> Well, for our, our listeners who have not checked out your podcast yet, um, you guys should definitely listen to it. I've really been enjoying it lately. It's called the Confident Rider Podcast with Jane Pike. Um, I'm sure they can probably find it everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Yeah, 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 absolutely. If you've got a fave podcasting app, you should be able to, to type in the title and find it there, hopefully. Perfect. And then on that note, can you also tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and and the programs that you offer? Because I think that um, like I want to join the Facebook group immediately and like all that stuff, because it just sounds like such a cool community. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So my website is confidentwriter.online and you can find most of everything that I've got going on there. I've actually got a whole new bunch of stuff coming out this week, at the time of recording this week. So looking forward to putting that out in the world. But as of right now, there's Joyride, which is my membership program or my online program. And all the details about that are on my website. And the Facebook group is attached to, to that program. So it's a members, um, members Facebook. You can um, work with me one-on-one, -on -one, but I have also a variety of um, different kind of standalone trainings that I'm just working on that I'm about to send out into the world on a variety of different topics. I'm kind of hoping to do one a month of those um, that you'll be able to join just as sort of a non-member. Um, so that's really exciting. And yeah, my podcast is a, is another hub that I like to hang out on. So it's it's pretty cool. Thank you so much for having me on as well. 
Yeah, thank you for for um, doing this with us and and waking up so early to to get on a podcast interview. I can't. It's fine. That's a lot. I'm an obnoxiously early riser, so which which makes the other end of the day. I'm not such a you know. I'm not. I like to think I'm a party animal, but party animals probably like to eight thirty a.m. at eight p.m. and then like, where's my book? Let's do this. <laughs> That's me too. Uh, well, thank you again for for doing this with us, and we're so excited to have you be part of the horse and rider team. And you know, we're we're going to be doing more with you in the future. And and I hope that everybody could take away a little something from this, and and maybe learn a little bit more about themselves too. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure and an honor. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.